If you're happy and you know it, don't celebrate because no one likes that. If you're happy and you know it, don't celebrate because nobody likes that. If you're happy and you know it and you really want to show it, if you're happy and you know it, don't celebrate because nobody likes that. Hi, everybody. It's the Week in the Tackle podcast. Me, Tom Rennie, with you for a program without our friend Brian Dunseth, who is unavailable for this week. Uh, Brian, Dunny, dear friend, we love you. We miss you. We look forward to having you back on the podcast very, very soon. That does mean it's some bad news, I know, at the very top of the program. That does mean I'm going to speak a lot more on this show. The good news is I have lots of opinions, so that's good. It also means that our friend Tim Horsey is going to cajole me and you through the next half an hour or so. How are you, Tim? You all right? I'm good, my friend. I'm good. Had a nice lazy weekend, plenty of stuff to talk about. And let's be real, nobody wants to listen to my opinions here. So it's just going to be mainly you and me trying to cut you off to stop you from rambling. I don't believe that's true, and I can't be stopped mid-ramble. But I've got to start the program before I, I go through some of the things I've got from this weekend and ask you... How are you feeling about the title race being back on? For those that don't know, our friend Tim Horsey is a big Liverpool fan, especially when they're winning. Look, on Monday on Sirius XMFC, Charlie Stilitano on the football show tried to play it down. You can guess Rodney Marsh, Man City legend, tried to play it down. I was ecstatic on Saturday after that result with Tottenham, which we'll get into. And trust me, I haven't lost any of that. Liverpool's going to win the league. They're winning this league. I am I am very very wow. confident. As a man who is incredibly pessimistic most of the time, as you know, having to deal with me 3-4 days a week most of the time. Mm. This this is the most optimistic I've been um and that means they're going to lose to Leeds in midweek. <laughs> right. Before we move on and I get to my pre-prepared stuff. I didn't know we were going to go down this route or route and I didn't know that you were going to say that. So in honor of our friend Brian Dunseth, who's not here this week, maybe you and I should do, first of all, Man City legend, Rodney Marsh. Come on, QPR legend. He played for Man City. Ruined their title bid in many ways. Um, Actually, I'll note that down because it was a great... I want to mention Rodney's dive later. Remind me. Um, But in honor of our friend Brian Dunseth, who loves the hot sauce bet, I think Man City are going to win the league. I, 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 I stay steadfast in my assertion from November, I think, was that when I turned from Chelsea, who I thought would win the league preseason. I thought it was going to be Man City. I'll stick with it. So maybe it's a Rennie, Horsey, hot sauce bet for the title. I'll take Man City and you can take Liverpool and we'll get Dunny to pick the hot sauce because as regular listeners to this show will know, I don't know what hot sauce is. I did this bet with Dunny earlier in the season on the Man United game. And I'm reliably informed it comes on to like one out of a hundred on the Scoville spectrum, which I still don't know what it is. I'm sure it's made up. So hot sauce bet. You go Liverpool. I'll take Man City. Dunny picks the sauce. Well, I'll, I'll do you one better, Renny, because I admittedly love hot sauce. I do. And I, I mean, if you look at the odds and obviously we talk about the, the bookmakers and how, you know, you can't always look at the odds for what's actually going to happen. But Man City are still heavy favorites to win the league. So mm-hmm. I think you're... Sounds like you're bottling it. Here we go. No, I feel like your punishment, as it were, should be a bit worse. But no, 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 I'm willing to do this because I enjoy the hot, hot, hot sauce. I still don't know right. what the hell a Scoville is, but Donnie no. loves saying that word. I think it's thing. just a, a fun word to say for him. But I've tried 
the last dab, which is the hot one sauce that he talked about. I ended up buying it for myself. Uh, we were going to do a bet on Grumpy Pundits on Sirius yes. XMFC. It didn't come in time. I did a different one. Obviously, that all happened as it did. I got the hot one sauce, and I'm done It's not that hot, bud. It is not hot enough for a, it's a challenge. It's 7 million Scoville. Yeah, <laughs> it's 7 million a made, made up number, whatever that is, made up unit of measurement. So what we were going to originally do for that West Ham Liverpool bet was me go vegan for a week. Now, mm. because Liverpool are the underdogs here, maybe a half a week, three days, something like that. I will go vegan okay. for three days. I'll post meals. I'll be that annoying guy that posts all of his meals on social media. So Tom can see, I'll tag him in every one. And I will do the vegan diet for three days. If Liverpool does not win the league for you. I mean, I'm even not going to eat beef. No, 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 no. We'll do the hot sauce for you still, because <laughs> I, I don't know if you can handle it. And I actually enjoy oh, punishing yeah, myself. Okay. Do you know what I like? I like that you've done that. I like you've done that. And I like you set your own, your own. I mean, but to be fair, though, I am trying to be a vegan. And I will say that it's not that difficult. And I think you should do the hot sauce, personally. But How about hot sauce on vegan food? Yes. Okay. Yes. We'll get some sort of fake cheese muffin and we'll get a hot sauce put on it. We'll work on it. We'll get Dunny to approve it. And we'll get back to you. Right, let's talk about the big game of the weekend. Um, I was doing the game alongside our friend Kevin Watson for Sirius XMFC in the US this weekend as, as Tottenham won, Tottenham won at Man City. And do you know what? I didn't give him a prayer. I don't think anyone gave him a prayer. Uh, our friend Kevin Watson, who was with me, the former Spurs midfielder, didn't give him a prayer. But what was really, really interesting is I was at the first game of the season. I was at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium when Tottenham won against Man City. And I just remember feeling at that point a sense of optimism about the campaign not in terms of like my team or anything I thought you know what what we want is a title race and you've noticed recently I'm sure many of you have the journalists and fans who follow the other leagues or I like to think of them as the worst leagues around Europe got very cocky recently very cocky your Serie A fans your La Liga lads your Bundesliga bros they've got very cocky about their leagues being tighter than the Premier League. And the trouble is, as a Premier League journalist and the head of a Premier League international broadcasting department whose mortgage depends on the ongoing quality and entertainment value of the Premier League, I uh, haven't really had an answer. I've not had an answer to our Bundesliga bros and our La Liga lads on the fact that their title races and their top fours are more interesting than ours. And I had to find myself doing that desperate thing one does when trying to defend something that they have no uh, active role in. Yeah, but what about the other stories? There are so many other stories around the league you should focus on. I mean, what about Burnley? What a story that would be. And I'm interested. Like, I'm not lying to you when I say that. I'm interested. But I don't think we'd be able to sell the Premier League to multiple countries around the world on the strength of Burnley staying in the Premier League for an, an eighth year. Feels longer, but I think it's eight. But I can now say the Premier League title race is on. It's on. I felt in the first weekend of the season we would have that title race. I felt for months we wouldn't have it. But now I do feel we will. We'll get to Liverpool, I think, because they're worth a couple of minutes of our time if there is on the show. But for Man City, they played well and lost. And that was the encouraging bit about it for me. You know, it wasn't that they had an off day. They still didn't have an off day, Manchester City. They did what they do most weeks. They dominated the ball. They created chances, maybe less than other weeks, but you think about the save that 
Hugo Lloris had to make from, from Gundogan, that incredible world-class save, which made up for the error he made for the opening goal. You think about the times they got in behind, the times Romero was there. You know, they had their, their usual penalty. I think it's seven penalties in 11 games now for Man City. Um, so it all went fairly well for them. And I still think they will keep on winning. I think Liverpool will keep on winning. But it shows they can be beaten if good teams take their chances. I think the better teams have underperformed against City all season long. All season long, the good teams have not taken the chance when it's come. And Tottenham did. You know, that first game of the season, the Nuno game plan is what Antonio Conte did. It was the same game plan. You know, maybe he found it in the back of the desk drawer. You know, there's been a lot of managerial turnover. Maybe the clean has not been in, COVID and all that. And he maybe went to the bottom drawer, Antonio Conte, looking for his, you know, his, uh, his glue to keep his syrup on for another week in these horrible, windy conditions we've had in the UK. Not a good time to be a wig wearer during Storm Eunice and Storm Dudley. And I think we're on Storm the uh, Franklin. Is it Franklin now? Something stupid. We don't have, we don't do fancy names for storms here. It's just like generic, boring granddad names. That's How badly got. did you want the hairpiece to fall off? You were doing the game. You were watching the game. How badly as, as a proud bald man who despises Antonio Conte because he has been a traitor to your kind, as it were. Yes. Did you want it to fall off? Well, it, 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 his hairpiece is incredible. Incredible. It's not like Elton John in 1987. You know, this is an incredible piece of wig work. This is, this is incredible, the hairpiece that he's got. And, you know, some men suffer with the lack of confidence and, you know, they see themselves as the head. You know, when the eventual civil war comes between the bald and the head, I know what side I'll be on. That's the side of Jason Statham, a proper geezer um, like me. You know, even Travolta's gone our way now. You know, so we've got someone to dance, someone to punch, and I'll commentate. Actually, I won't work. Yeah. contribute anything. <laughs> we might lose this. But it just, you know, it's an incredible, it's an incredible week. Um, and you know, I, I don't dis I don't I don't judge him for doing it, but you know, he is a traitor and that's the way it goes. But he, he got the right game plan, he got the Nuno game plan. Harry Kane had his best game for a year. I thought Kane was superb. Some of those first touch around the corner passes, you know, ongoing conversation that we've all had for a long time. What is Harry Kane now? Like, what is he at this moment in time? And I think. We've had lots of conversations on this podcast, on Sirius XM, FC, all broadcasters, fans, whatever. We've had conversations about, is he trying to be a number 10? Why is he in the box? And I thought this was the first time I have seen, uh, maybe you've got an example, maybe our listeners have an example. First time I've seen him do both roles as he's been trying to do. It almost feels like we're watching him evolve. But instead of like Jeff Goldblum in the fly where his limbs have fallen off, he's become a nine and 10 at the same time. Harry Kane is now nine and a half and he's the first ever nine and a half there's ever been. And he scored two, both brilliant goals. The, the header, classic center forward. The, the first time finish for his first goal is incredible striker's instinct. The goal he scored that was rightly chalked off. It was, was great. A great finish. Great snapshot. Be a good goalkeeper at his near post. Got to be a good shot and was. But also he sets up all the big moves. The first time passes around the corner, Kulusevski and Son. Son, the perfect player to play against this kind of opposition. City made their plan for him, and that's why they won it. Their two world-class players were absolutely world-class. And you add that to the fact I said last week to Dunny about Christian Romero. And weirdly, he didn't fight me on it. I said Christian Romero was Nemanja Vidic. I said that he is the closest thing I've seen to Nemanja Vidic since Vidic. 
And I think we saw that in this game. He gave the penalty away. It was a handball. Vidic made his, his howlers. But Vidic always had two choices. One, I can be a bit of a wimp here. I can like try and show him on the outside or I can, you know, call for support. Or option B, I can launch this guy and the ball up in the air as hard as I possibly can. And the option of B has got to be perfectly timed. And Vidic always did. I think Romero did in the game. And all of a sudden with Tottenham, Romero, Dyer's back. Kulosevsky was brilliant. You know, he looked knackered, but was still good enough to put that ball over. Harry Kane with his best performance in a year. Hongmin Son over the top. You know, better than anyone you could imagine. Still got their issues, but all of a sudden, and they had to win that because they'd be out the top four race, I think, if they didn't. But all of a sudden, I think they could probably do it again. And maybe that is going to be something we can actually talk about to our Bundesliga pros and La Liga lads, about it actually being interesting as opposed to their top four races, which are probably already done. I don't know. I'm not going to look. Right. There's a lot of things here that I want to break down, especially because you called the game. You know, you were you were knee deep in it, as it were. But I think the Harry Kane thing is interesting because I think he can only kind of play that nine and a half if he has a guy like Son. And they have that connection that is that is so, so strong. Um, one question to you on on Harry Kane, though, and we, mm. we talked about this on Monday's Grumpy Pundits on Sirius XMFC. Tommy Smith pointed out that if he was a Tottenham fan, he would actually be upset that Kane showed up for what Rodney called his Manchester City audition at the Etihad, where he hasn't played well all season long. And then finally, I don't know if Conte unlocks something. I don't know if this is the, as everybody wants to say in, in the headlines, the start of the resurgence for Tottenham under Antonio Conte or whatever it is. Do you think there's any argument for that with Spurs fans being upset that it's like, oh, now you decide to show up when you're playing the team that you ultimately want to play for at some point? I don't think upset's the right word. I think that I'd be frustrated that Harry Kane has not been as good as he has been all season long. But I think I'd be rejoicing in the fact that that was old Harry Kane, if not new Harry Kane, the Harry Kane that he's been trying to become for a long period of time. I think the first three months of this season were very tough because he obviously wanted to go. Tottenham, you know, Rodney always says on, on our show, on Grumpy Pundits, that they should have sold him. And he asked somebody on Friday, I guess on Spurs on Friday show, um, you know, essentially saying they should have sold him, right? Um, I think it was Jack Pitbrook we were talking to of The Athletic, and he was saying that um, we should, he should have sold him. And everyone is sort of accepting that. I don't accept that. Never sell your best players, ever, unless you absolutely financially have to do it. Don't do it. Because you get games like that. Never sell your best players under any circumstance apart from we have to financially do this. Because the only thing that matters in football to me as a fan is the games. And if they'd have sold Harry Kane, would they have won that game? No. And without Harry Kane, they're not in the Champions League race. There is no replacement in the world for Harry Kane that Tottenham could possibly get. So what would £150 million do for Tottenham? Well, Davinson Sanchez cost 40 million. <laughs> so take that out. Put uh, what was Kulisevsky, like 20. Bentacore could be X amount. I think they might have to pay 30 after his loan if it works out. Is it vice versa? Either way, one of them's a loan, one of them's a purchase. That's 50 million pounds worth between them if they buy them both. Romero's 40. Savage, uh, Davinson Sanchez, 40. So there you go. That's your Kane money. And are those three players, four players worth Harry Kane? No. No, they're not. Yeah. So don't do it. And for all the grief Daniel Levy has got, and a lot of it is deserved, and maybe he is running his race there, and maybe they need new ideas. But the fact that he stood so firm to City and said, no, I don't care who's upset. 
I don't care how much it costs. That's why they won that game. That's a very significant contributory factor. And people who think he should have gone, and I think Rodney falls into this category, sadly, and I say it to him regularly, he falls into the trap of thinking that there is a royal family in football. You know, there is a... In Germany, there is the, the move to Bayern Munich. And the move to Bayern Munich is like moving to the, the German national team. It's the pride the country has in Bayern. Well, that's why they're f***ing won it nine years in a row. Sorry, Tim. Because you think of them that way. And the Super League Six, the Champions League clubs, they have moved away from the rest of the Premier League because of the Champions League money, which is why if you finish bottom, you should get a whole bunch of money and or the first team that stays out the 17th should get a bunch of money and the champion should get nothing because it's meant to be harder next year they're skewing it so it's easier but they're skewed everything in their favor with the champions league money anyway and it shouldn't be allowed it shouldn't be kane's ambition to play for man city it shouldn't be rice's ambition to play for chelsea it shouldn't be kilman's ambition to play for man united it shouldn't be calvin phillips ambition to play for liverpool no liverpool should win the league for three years but in that time Burnley should be getting money thrown at them for being part of this great Premier League product, the best league in the world. Sorry, Bundesliga bros and La Liga lads. Got to think of one for Serie A. You're really Serie loving that. Readers? It's good, isn't it? It's a good line. Going to use it liberally. <laughs> Serie A sausages. I don't know. I'll think of that one. Um, Serie A scallywags. Yeah, better. Much better. You should host this show. Glad you're here. Uh, we don't need you, Danny. Sorry, buddy. Sorry, Brian. <laughs> Going to use that from now on. He can edit it. Um, but you know, you don't just, you just don't need to do it. You shouldn't need to do it. And so I don't agree with that. Maybe he will go in the summer, but he'll go on Spurs terms. And I like that. Yeah. I'm with you there too. And I think, um, it's, I don't want to bring up Declan Rice, I guess, or Max Kilman going to Chelsea or anything like oh. that, because I, I agree. And it's, it, what makes me laugh is the guy who just disparages and rags on American sports all the time. One of the things that they do very, very well is is parody. It's why the National Football League is as popular as it is. Sorry, Tom. Because there's a chance everybody can win every year. Yeah. Hope springs eternal every offseason for a team because we've seen it before. There's a lot more Leicester City stories. But, you know, I, well, but I don't think it's ever going to Let's hold on here. I mean, I don't like the American sports, mainly because the sports themselves are rubbish. A touchdown is unsatisfying. Man crosses line. This is a very unsatisfying... The same thing with rugby. It's unsatisfying. I've been to watch England at Twickenham with 80,000 people. It is a huge pastime here, right? It's a huge thing. And you watch this and you're like, oh, he jumped over the line and put it down. What? Like, this does not make the blood pump. And you watch... Uh, someone showed me some of the Super Bowl after I said, how was the, how was the match? And they were like, Dr. Drake was really good. Something's wrong with your sport, guys. Um, but once you get past that and they show you the highlights, you know, oh, that, he run over the line. Oh, okay. It's, it's not satisfying. However, there are many things that America has done fantastically well before I became a vegetarian. The, the hamburger. Great. Delicious. Oh, great. It's the best. What a great thing. It shouldn't exist because of, you know, cruelty to animals. Um, but apart from that, it tastes very, very nice. But also, you know, America has been... Uh, fantastic when it comes to creating a lot of great vegan products. So, you know, the fake hamburgers that I eat on a regular basis, very, very good. An American invention, as uh, the motor car was. So there you go. Lots of great things about America. And, you know, I like the fact that you've, you've got a sort of parity. I wouldn't go as far as uh, a draft. I think that's gone too far. 
But I think you, if you're getting the Champions League money, that you shouldn't also get the Premier League money. And they want to be the royal families forever. And it's like, you might earn the right to play for Chelsea. And you think, no, I'm sorry, no. It's not meant to be like that. You've made it like this. You've sold it like this. They've created a royal family of themselves. And if anything, I mean, Chelsea are probably the, I can't use that joke anymore. They're probably the mm-hmm. Edward. They're probably the Edward of the, of the royal family. You know, you've got Good Man save. City, the Queen, God bless her, and all who sow in her should be the final ever monarch. Liverpool, Charles, um, Chelsea, Edward, uh, Arsenal, Camilla, probably. She should never be queen. Um, and then who's the others? Tottenham, oh, Eugenie. And I, who am I missing here? There's one I'm missing in this. Series. I mean, you're losing the entire American audience on this. Do you know what? I'm not. Because Americans have more interest in the royal family than we do. But I suppose they would. Because to you, they're just a comic aside. To us, uh, it's lifelong servitude. And I pay for their toilet paper. It's true. What was the I question two- originally? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. So I'm going to move on to two other things that I have from this game before we move on. One, I think... The counterattacking style will suit Liverpool very, very well in that game in April uh, against Man City, although I'm sure Pep will have something up his sleeve for that. Um, Two questions for you, though, because you have mentioned this over and over and over again with Man City, and I tend to agree with you, that you are bored by Manchester City. You don't like calling their games. You think Pep Guardiola, you can't wait for him to leave the Premier League because it might turn into the Bundesliga. Let's hope Mm. not. Uh, You know, the sorry Bundesliga bros, as Tom says. But... Were you bored? Because Kevin Watson, who we had on Grumpy Punnets on Monday, who called the game with you right here on FC 157, said, Tom kind of made that comment a couple of times before the game. I'm assuming you weren't bored by that game. No, I wasn't bored by that game. And I do try in commentary not to give the opinion that I'm not enjoying the game. But in our shows, when it's, you know, it's appropriate to give your, your, your viewpoint, I do find their games quite dull. I find the style of play quite dull. I find the smothering of teams quite dull. And in fact... I found the way Man City played to be pretty boring. Tottenham made it interesting. Tottenham are the team that made that game interesting because they took their chances. They were brave. They were bold. They were great on the ball in a way that maybe only Brighton that I've seen this season have been away from home in big games. Their game away at Chelsea is a great case in point where they got a draw. Danny Welbeck scored late. But when they got the ball, they didn't just like themselves. Sorry, Tim. And You know, this is harder for me to edit now. You know, okay, that's your two. That's two. That's your two. I won't, I won't use it again. themselves because, <laughs> because they're playing good opposition. You, know, you Tom Rennie. <laughs> sorry, Tom. Come on. Hashtag. Sorry, Tom. Um, and that, that's, that, that's what I liked about it. Tottenham made it a great game. I don't like the Man City style from an entertainment perspective. That's my personal opinion. No one needs to agree with me. You can, you can enjoy, enjoy it if you like. If you enjoy it, that's great. But I am perfectly entitled to say I don't enjoy it. You like the old catch? You think running over a line is thrilling? That's great. Great for you. But I don't. And I'm going to tell you I don't. And if you love it, you tell me you do. That's like life. That's it. That's the whole thing. We talk about the things we do and don't like and find a way to muddle on together anyway. And I thought, uh, actually, Man United, Harry, that's six. I have one final point for you, Tom, before we move Mm. on. Just one more here. I wouldn't consider Tottenham a bogey team for Man City quite yet, but they have beat them twice in the league, which is oh, very, they are, very they are a bogey team. Yeah, c- consider it. 
And I want to know the listeners, when you get to this point in the podcast and you're you're laughing at all the times that I've been slaving over the the, the beep button because Tom is just having such a good time. It's four who, now, and you did one of them. That's true. I, I did do one of them. My bad. Um, who is your team's bogey team? You could let us know on Twitter at SiriusXMFC, but Tom, to, to prompt this, who is West Ham's bogey team? At the moment, it's Brighton. West Ham have not beaten Brighton since Brighton came up. The last time West Ham beat Brighton, Ricardo Vazte scored a hat-trick in a 5-0 win on West Ham's way to the playoff final in 2012. They have never beaten Brighton. Even this season, they were 1-0 up in the 90th minute and still didn't win. They cannot beat Brighton. Historically... We, we didn't beat Liverpool at Anfield from 1963 to 2016. And we played the most seasons. Everyone else won at least once and we didn't. So Jeff Hurst scored in the win in 63 before Nobes, Lanzini and, and others scored. I think Sacco maybe scored in a 3-0 victory in the, the last bowling year. So, but then Liverpool have always been better than West Ham. So it sort of doesn't count. Brighton, we should have beaten in the last decade, but don't beat them. So Brighton... Here's something for you. I said to you six weeks ago, Wolverhampton Wanderers were in the Champions League race. And Dunny didn't go for it. Tim didn't go for it. Tommy Smith didn't go for it. Rodney Marsh didn't go for it. Nobody went for it. I told you. And they are. And they are in it. They don't score goals a great deal, but you can't score against them. I certainly don't think you'll score many against them. You don't score the two, three goals required to win against them. And I've been saying for a long, long time that the goalkeeper, Jose Sarri, is the best in the Premier League. I think he has been this season. I fully stand by that. I think he's an incredible, incredible year. Makes great saves, great distribution, very confident in his goal, uh, his, his penalty area, his six-yard box. Um, Connor Cody, just one of the best personalities in football, great captains. If you want to do a study on what a captain is in this modern era where you can have six or seven captains per game and Arsenal throw the armband around uh, like it's a Christmas card for a relative who's ill, you know, th this kind of thing. Uh, Connor Cody's a great captain, and, he, and that's how you captain a side in the modern era. Max Kilman, so good, he could play for someone else. Um, <laughs> he's been fantastic. Roman Saiz turned into a great centre-half. Ruben Neves, he's so good, he could play for someone else. And that's been the story for many, many years. You know, has grown at Wolverhampton. He didn't need to go to Man United to get better. Who'd have thunk it, right? You know, they've just got a lot about them, Wolves. And five wins in six, another win against Leicester. I think they could make it. Next podcast, we'll know. When we reconvene next Monday, and hopefully our friend Dunny is back with us to tear this to strips, they may have beaten Arsenal on Thursday. I'm going to that game at Emirates Stadium Thursday. They're likely to have beaten West Ham on Sunday. Because I think West Ham are in a bad, bad moment. We'll, we'll try and get to that if we can. Um, that would be seven wins in eight with games in hand. I think they can do it. Um, I'm not going to say they will, but if they win these two games and we come back together next Monday, I will say they will. And I'm looking forward to that. I know it will cost West Ham a place in Europe at all because that means they'll finish eighth in a seven-horse race. Very annoying. Should have bought someone. Um, but I'd also crow about it greatly because I told you it was going to happen. I was going to say it's like a win-win for you. And we don't have to talk about West Ham, Tom. I know it's, it's I saw the Twitter tirade already. It's, it's, it's very frustrating for you. On Wolves, though, before we get there, I think you're right because obviously West Ham and Arsenal are the two teams above them as we record with Man United in fourth 
And if they win both of those games, they're going to shoot above them. And then after that, they do have games late in the season. You know, two of their last three games are against Chelsea and Liverpool. Liverpool on the final day at Anfield, which could be a problem if there is a title race. And I'm about to, you know, maybe not eat vegan food, let's hope. Man City is in mid-April. But but other than that, after this Arsenal-Wolves week, this or, uh, West Ham week, excuse me, it's Palace, it's Watford, Everton, who are in absolute shambles, uh, Leeds United, who can't defend anybody, Villa, who... Eh, are we sure about Steven Gerrard quite yet? I'm not too, too sure, especially Ooh. after the Watford loss. Ooh. Newcastle as well. Brighton, Norwich. Like There are very, very winnable games where games. They, can, they can squeak away some 1-0s, some 2-1s, if they concede anything against some of those teams. And I, I'm with you. I, In a weird way, they're not a fun watch because they are so defensive. Oh, but, they're a terrible watch. But there's a part of me that kind of respects that as well. And not that I'm going to turn on Burnley Wolves over pretty much anything else I could watch or do on a, on a Sunday afternoon, but <laughs> you have to respect them for trying, uh, trying a different style and, and being highly successful with it. Yeah. Wolverhampton Wanderers are not here to entertain you. And I love that about them. They are not here for you to enjoy it. And, and if my team won one nil every week and with the drabbest team in the country, I'd be okay with that. It's only the super rich and the oligarchs and wealth funds that can worry about style to go with their victories. The rest of us just have to make do with what we can get. And there is no Wolverhampton Wanderers fan that I have met that's unhappy with winning crap games by the odd goal. That there's none, there's not one. There is not one. And if that started happening to my team as a paying punter, I'd be pretty happy to put up with it for a while. You know, some teams moan about just winning the FA Cup or just qualifying the, for the Champions League. Again, that's what's wrong with the, the whole royal family of clubs that we've created for ourselves. Sorry, Eugenie. Or was it Beatrice? I forget now. Don't mention the dad. Um, who would be Fergie? Probably Wolves. They're, probably, they're the Fergie, right? No, Fergie's entertaining. Um, I'll think of it. Maybe the Megan. No, we don't mention Megan. I don't know. They're like the Kate Middleton of, of uh, the Champions League race. We don't really know what they do. They're seemingly stoic. And married to William? It doesn't work. It doesn't work. I'll work on it and get back to you for next yeah, week. I was gonna say, who are the, who are the team that they're married to? Then who's William again? I can't keep uh, track of this. Who's William, the future emperor of the country? No, I'm saying which which William? <laughs> Great. He's a Villa which fan. Soccer so team kind of irrelevant. is William. He's a Villa fan. For okay. Some so Villa's married what. to Wolves. So Midlands thing. I guess that makes. Yeah, sense. Yeah, it make, actually makes sense. It. it well, I didn't plan that, but that actually sort of made sense, which. I don't know where Stan would be. We're moving on from it. I think they may well make it. We'll find out next week. I did at the top of the program do a song and I should reference why I did it. Because I've, I've changed my mind on something. I've changed my mind on something that I've always been quite vociferous on. And that is celebrations. Because I was listening to uh, Danny Murphy on Talk Sport on Monday. And also... Uh, across the Twitter sphere on Sunday. I couldn't watch the games live on Sunday. Uh, my wife forbid it, because I've got lots of work coming up over the next few weeks, and so she wanted to see me, freak. Um, but um, I watched the game back on, on Monday and then saw the Twitter sphere and listened to Danny Murphy on TalkSport. He's a big, great, good pundit. I respect his opinion. But he was really slagging off Man United for celebrating and slagging off the wild celebrations at beating beleaguered uh, Leeds United in that game at Ellen Road. A brilliant game, great atmosphere, great rivalry that goes back to 
to Don Revy and Sir Matt Busby in the 70s and all that. Well worth checking out the history of the fixture for why it was such an important game, certainly on these shores. But I've always felt that unless you won something proper, and I mean a trophy or a, a derby you've not won for years or you stayed in the Premier League when you weren't expected to or something like that, then maybe keep your celebrations a bit a bit down, a bit mooted because, you know, you don't go too far. You know, it's the whole, maybe it's because Arsenal wind me up so much. I saw an Arsenal fan TV person this week after a squeaky win over Brentford. Oh, mate, we're going to win the Champions League next year, though. You're not even qualified yet, mate. Chill out. Um, you know, that kind of thing annoys me. And maybe it's because they would beat like Brentford at home and it would be like hundreds of Instagram posts and like even Lacazette did it this weekend. So even that has changed this viewpoint. But you know what? Man United have been pretty bang average this season and a tough watch. And they went to Leeds, the hardest working team in the country, and they outfought them. They outworked them. Now, I know there are caveats to that because they should do that. And they have better players than Leeds and more rotation and possible substitutions. And I do want to praise Leeds. I've done all the time. They're the best team in the country to watch. And I hope they don't go down and I hope Bielsa doesn't leave um, because I love to watch them. And they've been in so unlucky with injuries this season. It's been, I, I feel for them. I have a lot of empathy for Leeds fans having to suffer through this season. But other teams with that kind of injury record would already be relegated. So again, great praise for what they've done. But Man United went there. The world's press, which we are part of, will slag them to within an inch of their wage packet if they don't win. And we were revved up to do it. And you know what? They outfought them. They outworked them. They outhassled them. Yes, yeah, Scott McTominay should have been sent off for six fouls that he did. They were all bookable offences. You know, yeah, all of that. But the work rate was there and you've got to celebrate it. And I've got no problem with the over-celebration. No problem with, yes, we've done it. You know, it's the same as when Arsenal won at Wolves the other week and Ruben Neves came out and he was like, you know, they were celebrating like they won the league. Pathetic. No, you can celebrate today. You won today. You won the game today and I've changed my mind on it. It used to annoy me. But now I think, what else are we in this for? And maybe it's because I don't celebrate goals anymore because of VAR. You know, when West Ham score a goal, I used to be incredibly happy. And now the first thing I think of is, so how's that going to be disallowed? And that's sad, actually. But when the final whistle has happened and when you have won, that's the first time I can actually celebrate things now. And West Ham win more games these days than maybe they ever have in a season. But that's the only point I actually celebrate now is the final whistle when we've won as opposed to goals, because that's been taken away from us. So I've changed my view on it. Go wild for 12 hours. Tom, are you getting soft on me? This is weird. You're you're celebrating joy. You're you're happy with people being joyous. You're, this usually makes you miserable. You're a changed yes. man. Maybe it's, maybe it's being... Only selectively. Let's okay, not go, fair. Let's not go too far. Maybe it's being a father. I'm not sure what it is. But I completely agree with you, and I know that's not super fun for, for a debate show like this, but... This is a rivalry game that, you know, as as a relatively, you know, compared to compared to you and others on, on like Sirius XMFC, a relatively new soccer fan, I knew nothing of the Man's, Man United Leeds rivalry. Nothing about it. But then you hear all the hype, you read about how it's these two teams despise each other and you're watching old highlight packages. And even over here in the US, NBC is doing this massive build up to this big game. Of course, you're going to celebrate this, this victory and, and an impressive one at that. And I don't know why we're, you know, praising Man United so much when Dunny's not here. It's usually, usually the opposite. It just doesn't, doesn't make me feel right. very good. 
doesn't feel right, this. I don't like it. Let's not do this again. But, yeah, Man United were good. They were good. Paul Pogba was good because he's trying to play for a move elsewhere. Um, you know, decided to turn up for five months so he can get his, his big wage packet from Paris Saint-Germain and only play one game every four months like Neymar. Yeah, good luck to you. You know, I, I just think that, you know, I've changed my mind on that. Celebrate your wins. Celebrate them when they come. Maybe it's the despondency of the last two years. Maybe it's 12 years of Tory rule. Maybe it's the fact I can't get rid of the mice in my house and now my dishwasher is leaking. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but that little thing about, you know, don't over-celebrate, what else is there? It's like when people say, I don't do anything for my birthday. And you think to yourself, I only go out when my friends have birthdays now. So when, you know, I'm 30 something and um, lower mid and when there's a birthday, I think I'm going to go out. I'm going to put an effort in here. But on like Saturday, we used to meet for a pint if I was in town working or whatever. Those days are over now. Everyone's got kids and everyone's got plans. And, you know, a lot of my friends work in sports media, so they're busy at the weekend, blah, blah, blah. So it's really hard to get people together. And there's just an element of it where I just think, actually, everything's crap. Everything is crap. And so let's enjoy the concept of enjoyment for a brief They've taken goals from us, Tim. They've taken goals from us. I know. The, the instant, instant replay is killing everything, Tom. I the, know. Tottenham, uh, the Tottenham game at the weekend, the best goal call I did was the goal that wasn't allowed. I did a great bit about twice and thrice. It's great. Don't matter. Cutting room floor. You got to take that one away. I, I see. I agree with you, too, and you're going to hate me. And I know Dunny doesn't usually do this, but I'm trying to bring in something a little bit different. And another American sports kind of reference here, and this is a bit different because I think there's a, another nuanced conversation to have about storming the court in college basketball. College basketball, it's packed with university students, and there's always this discourse, right, when a team who might be ranked pretty highly beats another team that's ranked highly, and they still storm the court, and the opposing fans go, well, that's childish, you were just as good as us, or whatever it is. When I was a junior at University of Maryland, our team was horrible. They were, they were terrible, but our biggest rival was Duke. We ended up beating Duke, who were a good team that year, and storming the court that time is, is something that I will never forget for the rest of my life because it was a joyous celebration. You get in there, you're hanging out with the players and everything, and now you know we've talked about rushing the field and stuff, and I, I probably changed my opinion on it a little bit. But from the celebration aspect of it, like you said, these are moments that you're always going to remember that you get less and less of. I just, I can say my age, I just turned 30 and I'm already losing moments like that. And you have to cherish yeah. those while you have it because, you know, life is fleeting and sad. Yes. So that's how I know you have turned 30. That's how I know. And, and you'll know this is something you have to do now. You can't tell people your age. It's over now. You're like uh, Sybil Shepherd at this point. If anyone asks, you just say, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's like the friends were always 30 for 10 years. You're now Courtney Cox. Can I share a secret with you? Uh, yes. my, my grandmother used to say, and if you know, it was a birthday and I was a little kid or whatever, and it, it was Oma's birthday, you'd ask her age. And this is a bit different, but this is a good tip for our US listeners because we don't use Celsius, we use Fahrenheit. She mm -hmm. would go 29 Celsius every year, 29 Celsius. Wouldn't reveal her age, always 29 Celsius. So that's something that you can take uh, American listeners, anyway, who have to deal with Fahrenheit most of the time. I do want to do a bit on West Ham. Dunny's not here, so I'm doing it because I had a bit of a row on Twitter. I <laughs> know, I'm so mature. Um, about Nikola Vlasic. Now, some of you might not know Nikola Vlasic, and frankly, neither do I at this point. 
Because this time last year, as we record today, we're 12 months exactly on from West Ham beating Tottenham and Jesse Lingard starring for West Ham. Now, they couldn't sign Lingard. Various reasons. Was it money? Was it Man United not showing enough respect to someone who given their life to the club? You know, yada, yada, yada. You know, that's all. It is what it is with Lingard. It didn't happen. But let's... Uh, there's, a, there's a West Ham journalist I like and was talking about Nikola Vlasic having to come in. Now, I won't name them here because they're not here to you know, defend themselves, but, you know, blah, blah, blah. And they said Vlasic needs to come in. And I was coming home Saturday night and I read it and I was like, sod off. I'm sorry, no. I mean, I'm all, I'm all here for some positivity. But when a player does nothing, when a player comes on and does nothing, you can't just keep being positive about them on the never-never. And... Nikola Vlasic came on for Saeed Benrahma in the West Ham-Newcastle game. West Ham were very, very poor, as they have been really since the November international break, having had a brilliant 18 months plus. They've gone off the boil and they've struggled to get it back. They didn't invest in January, and the starting 11 who've worked incredibly hard for 18 months, from relegation candidates to Champions League hopefuls to last 16 Europa League qualifiers, that team needed help, and they were let down. And, and I don't... Of the starting 11, none of them should be disparaged because they did too much... They did way more than any of us thought they were going to do. They needed help. They went up to, like Oliver Twist, to the guy at the front and was like, please, Mr. Sullivan and Mr. Kwatinski, I want some more. And they went, more? You get Mikko Antonio up front, but not actually up front for six more months, boy. And there's a whole thing about Fagan I could continue with, but the royal family thing was already far too tenuous. And Nikola Vlasic, and he was like, he deserves a chance. I think, what does he deserve a chance on? Players should be judged on impact. Impact. Look at Luis Diaz. Look at Luis Diaz at Liverpool. Yes. Some players need a few months. Fine. You know, Saeed Benrahma needed a while. We're doing a West Ham example. Some players do. Others don't. But Nikola Vlasic was signed for £30 million near enough in August. We're now in late February. And he's done nothing. And he was like, oh, well, he had that good half against Leeds in the FA Cup, a good half against Tottenham in the Moose Cup, and he scored a tapping against Watford. It's a £30 million player. West Ham don't have the bench for that. When West Ham are struggling against Newcastle, what they needed to do was turn around to the bench and go Jesse Lingard and Valt Weghorst. If they could have brought those two players on, gettable, attainable players, they would have beaten Newcastle at the weekend. They couldn't do that because they didn't think those players were better than what they had. Plus... They thought that Nikola Vlasic was good enough. Nikola Vlasic has shown nothing. If he next season comes good, which I don't think he will, but if he does, he is to a flop this season because West Ham couldn't make changes. They couldn't make changes when new, even Newcastle could make changes. That'll cost West Ham in the end. Everyone knew it. Everyone said it. And we kind of hoped that they could get back to somewhere near that form. But you could see it was flagging. And again, that first 11 deserve incredible respect for what they have done but they needed two or three additions in obvious positions and it just didn't happen for any excuse they could give is unacceptable the no kids thing that david moyes was pushing the we have money to spend in another window no i'm sorry i'm not buying that i accept why you're saying it but somebody failed somebody failed in january to make the appropriate signing which is a centre-forward. The second was a centre-back. The third was an impact sub to replace Vlasic, who was offered nothing. And if anyone says to you about a player, you know, oh, I like him, they deserve this, deserve that, 
impact. Subs must have impact. If they come on and have no impact, they haven't done their job. That's the job. I don't come on here and have no impact. You've asked me to come on here and give you an opinion on stuff. And if I come on and just say, West Ham won, Newcastle won, that was the score. I've not done my job. That's not an impact. I've got to come on and say this, this, and this. Those are my views. And then we have a discussion on them or someone refutes them. That's the job. If you don't do it, you've not had an impact. And it just does my head in the amount of people that aren't understanding this basic concept. Well, I think there's a couple of things here. First of all, I don't want to do a Dunny uh, sidetrack, but how good has Veghorst been, by the way? He's better than Chris Wood. They, it was an instant impact for Burnley. He, he They probably should have gotten more from the, the Liverpool game if he would have taken some of his chances. was great this weekend as well. Uh, Tom, you and I are cut from the same cloth in that we are both very pessimistic people. And maybe that's why we're both part of Grumpy Pundits on Sirius XMFC. But I think that is 1000% the case against over positivity when evaluating players and mm. holding on for too long. You know, it's a bit, it's a bit different. And I will admit, I got this one completely wrong because he wasn't necessarily a sub, at least for most of his time at Liverpool. But I'm pretty sure I'm the last person who had a house on Alberto Moreno Island. Like I, for some reason, he had that opening game against Tottenham where he runs down the left flank all the way down. He scores that goal to make it 3-1, big win for Liverpool. And I held on to that for so long thinking this guy could be an impact player. This guy could be an impact player. Mistake after mistake after mistake after mistake. It was like a girlfriend cheating on you multiple times. You're like, no, the next time, it won't happen again. It'll never happen again. And he kept doing it. And I kept staying on that island until finally they brought in a kid from Hall named Andy Robertson. And it's never been the same at left back, thank the Lord. Um, So I just, I don't understand people who... And you know what? Maybe they're just better people than than you and I, and that's that, yes. great for them. Yes, I think but, we've spotted the the issue here. That's probably that people it. are better than me, right? But I just I can't rationalize seeing somebody like that, like you said, Tom, and and love him to death. But Takumi Minamino, the same way, and that's why Lu, a guy like Luis Diaz came in. He Would any game no be impact. different if Minamino didn't play? Any Absolutely game. not. Absolutely not. No. And people will say, "Oh, nothing. the Carabao Cup game." No, no, the games that. The games that really matter, the amount of times they have played, what has been their impact? Luis Diaz has come in and gone, I can do this. And some players show, fla- like they were like, oh, he's shown flashes. No, he hasn't shown flashes. Ben Rama showed flashes and a year later got good. Some players do show flashes. But if Nikola Vlasic didn't come on for West Ham this week, would anything have changed? No. Thereby, no impact. So what was the point? But that's the situation. See, the, the other hand to that, and I want to look forward to Wolves at the weekend because West Ham got to win, have to win. Uh, and what needs to happen now is that David Moyes, if he truly, truly believes the line that he was telling us in the press the other week about we didn't think there was anyone available who could make us better. And that's all well and good, but there is no backup for Antonio. He didn't need better. Worse would have been fine. It was someone you needed, but that's absolutely fine. You want to push that line and we'll just try and move on with it. But if he genuinely believes that the squad available to him is good enough to finish fourth or sixth or get the job done against Wolves, West Ham need huge changes. I expect Mark Noble for Thomas Socek, who's been bad for six months. I expect Nikola Vlasic on one wing. I expect, sick in my mouth a bit saying this, Yarmolenko on the right. Because you're telling me, David Moyes, West Ham, that Yarmolenko's good enough because he's there. So I expect him to start. I expect... The players that you said were good enough because you couldn't find better 
to start in the vital game against Wolves because right now West Ham look burned, completely burned. And maybe it's because the Europa League's coming up and that's fine. But finishing the top seven is currently massively in doubt. And for a team that probably should be finishing fifth on the strength of the first two halves of the season, that will be a failure because they've changed the standards. They've lifted those standards now and now they've got to retain them. Uh, and it was very annoying. And frankly, Newcastle should have won. Sidebar, before we move on, that's the coldest game I've been to all year. So cold. Oh, my God. So cold. We've had Storm Eunice and Storm Dudley and whatever. Uh, the rain, you know, no excuses here. Proper ruin that second half. Like the wind, the rain, the weather. It was like being in a tropical storm. The, the temperature went down to like zero Celsius, which is your nan's real age for everyone listening. You know, in Fahrenheit, not Celsius, that'd be weird. Um, not Benjamin Button. But like it was horrible, it was windy, it was rainy, it was cold. And I think everyone just wanted to go home, including the 22 players there at the final whistle. Uh, one final bit this week uh, before we end the programme is we asked, was it last week? Did we ask this last week? Um, the best goals that you've seen in person. We did a kind of bit in our, our listener mailbag episode published last week, still available to you, by the way should you want to listen to that show again. And I mentioned that Julian Dick's penalty for West Ham against Man U. I think we tweeted it on at SiriusXMFC, a little video of it on, on the gram as well, that all the sexy teens are on. Um, that was the best goal I'd ever seen. And Tim, suddenly people were responding to our videos and our social media posts with the best goals they've ever seen. You, you picked out a few good ones. Yeah, so a, a couple of things before we get to this. We should mention that, yeah, we are going to try and do a, a couple more midweek bonus episodes. You can always send us listener mailbag questions on Twitter at SiriusXMFC at my personal email, ChunkyLover69 at Hotmail.com. <laughs> hey, don't steal my joke, buddy. Don't steal my joke. Now I've got to think of a, a new joke email address for you. I can't use it if it's a joke about me. No, it's my, it's my joke. All right, fine, fine. D don't, don't send them there then, don't, because I definitely won't the see joke. That. Just When you've told the joke, now you own the joke, and it's not a joke about you anymore. That's right, well, how, if, you... if anyone is ever doing a joke about you, by the way, which has happened to me, you need to find a way to own the joke. That's what you do. You start doing those jokes yourself. Like, oh, Tom Reddy's bald. And you start doing your own bald jokes, and suddenly the power of those jokes are taken away. Just a little tip for you if you're ever being bullied. I mean, that's kind of why I did that. But anyway, so you, again, you can You've send us... You've lost a lot of weight, though, so now I'd say Thin Lover. Okay. So that's actually Thin Lover almost feels like I'm coming on to you. Yeah, so. that's, you know... It's I'll, I'll work on it. I'll work on it. It's all love here, Tom. But yeah, so we, we tweeted out the video. It was one of our questions that we got from a listener. Uh, just the best goal you've seen in person. So we have a couple responses here that I want to go through. Um, this one comes from Tone on Twitter. He says, Fafa P. Colt scoring the equalizer in the Union uh, New York Red Bulls playoff game. He rises up like a gazelle in a pack of lions. That's a Ray Hudson line. Makes eye contact with me and then heads the ball into the net. A glorious moment forever sealed into my memory. Uh, Wait, this makes one, eye contact with me? I, Tone, if you can reach back out at SiriusXMFC. Apparently, P. Colt looks at Tone and goes, I'm going to score here. And then heads the ball into the back Is of the this, net. Was this a real goal? Was this a fantasy? Do you then I'm turn a, into like a centaur and make sweet love to you on the hay? All questions we would like answered at SiriusXMFC. And if you can draw that for us as well, that would be great. Draw us a picture of a centaur and you making love in a field. Maybe wearing please, a Philadelphia Union scarf. 
Yeah, let's please don't. If do you that. have, if you're great at art, if you're a great drawer and have nothing going on, what's the name of the, the goal scorer again? Sorry, Fafa Picot. We want that player who I can't say the name of because I don't know who that is. Uh, no offense, I don't. Uh, but you don't know who played for West Ham in '92, do you? So don't at me. But we want that guy as a centaur with some sort of Philadelphia Union branding, making love to Tone in some sort of clearing. If you could do that, pencil drawing is fine. Send it into at SiriusXMFC. No. Send it in Tim's personal Twitter page at used to be chunky lover 69 at hotmail spelled M-A-L-E dot com. Do it, but do tweet it because that'd be funny. Okay, I'm just going to... The other presenters are going to freak out. Yeah, I was going to say, the the, uh, the context of that joke, nobody is going to understand that Too one. specific. Except, Not going to work. Except you, me, and the listeners. So yes. we'll know who listens to Week in the Tackle by who responds to that act. Yes. Want to show your loyalty to Week in the Tackle? There it is. Get anyway. drawing, folks. Okay, we have to move on. Uh, this one comes from Yellow Card Queen. She says, in 2016, I was teaching middle school here in Orlando. One of my seventh graders nailed a beautifully uh, beautiful penalty kick into the top corner, then fell onto his butt when he tried to do the front flip goal celebration from FIFA. <laughs> I've seen Beckenbauer score, but I'll never forget Carlos. Very good tweet there. Uh, from Matt on Twitter, he says, like Dunny, I'll give you two. I saw Clint Dempsey score versus Ghana from the nosebleeds uh, in the World Cup in 06 in Nuremberg. 06, yeah. Uh, I also saw Demir score the 95th minute uh, for Real Salt Lake versus Sporting Kansas City to book Real Salt Lake into the playoffs last year. As I celebrated, an old man punched me multiple times in the, quote, leg, but was not kicked out for whatever reason. Uh, Matt, oh. we need we need more of that story yeah. at Sirius XMFC. Draw a picture of you getting punched by an old man in the leg, but the old man is a centaur and you're in a clearing. And he's wearing some sort of Real Salt Lake and or Sporting yeah. Kansas City guard. Yeah. yeah have to uh from blair on twitter he was there at anfield in 2019 for mo salah's rocket from outside the box against chelsea mm -hmm. a good one there from declan uh, i know this is one of tommy smith's favorites as well he was at world cup 1994 ireland versus italy ray houghton scoring the winner uh there was oh, some party afterwards yeah. is what declan said and from ryan on twitter the last one here he says i was in the stadium when messi scored a free kick to make it 2-0 in the 2016 Argentina, uh, USA, Copa America semifinal in Houston. It was a nearly flawless free kick. Shame it had to be against us. Yeah. Nice. Very nice. Did you have one, Tim? Yeah. So I don't, I don't have an idea. If we want to do choose Tim's MLS club, like we did Tom on Grumpy Pundits uh, last year. Why don't you have one? I'm a Baltimore kid. I've never really, you know, if they had a Baltimore team, I've said this multiple times. If there was a Baltimore MLS team, I would be all the way in. I have a weird thing about rooting for DC teams, like DC United. I mm. sure maybe, but you know, I don't. I'm a Baltimore kid, so like if they if they get a, a team in MLS, I'm all in and support the local club, all that fun stuff. My the, the only thing that came to mind, it's not a goal. But I was at the Liverpool Bournemouth game in March 2019, the final Premier League game yeah. before England turned into Plague Island. Uh, I actually hung out with Tom for a little bit there. We did a dinner with Rodney Marsh, uh, bounced around between London and Liverpool for about 10 days. And I was there for their final Premier League game against Bournemouth, a game that they ended up winning 2-1. But at 2-1, late in the game, Bournemouth is about to score. Allison gets chipped, and James Milner, out of nowhere, comes and does a beautiful bicycle kick goal line clearance. And that was kind of the 
for the only Liverpool game I've ever been to that wasn't a preseason friendly over here in the U.S. That was kind of the the standout moment, uh, at least in game anyway. So that so that's you're saying you're not me. you're just gonna ignore the brief, basically. Yeah, hundred percent. I'm just, just gonna forget do- the brief. What's the best sandwich you've ever had? Well, I love a cup of coffee. That's basically what you just did. Ignore it prevent. It was close. It prevented a goal scoring opportunity no, rather fine. than being a goal. Yeah. No, just ignore it. It's fine. You just disrespect all the listeners who sent them in and my own story. It's fine. Don't worry about it. It's fine. You all are more creative than me anyway. I apologize. That's true. Listen, before we go, I do need to mention uh, the veganism thing. I've been thinking about that whole program. Okay. What we should do, if you're doing veganism, you should do the week of veganism, I think, Monday to Friday. We should have a daily post for every meal you eat on your personal Twitter. Plus, I'd like on the shows that we're on together, being a week in the tackle on Monday and Grumpy Pundits Tuesday, Thursday and Friday, on Sirius XMFC in the US. Uh, I think we should do Tim's vegan update for the week right. afterwards. Yeah. Done. Absolutely. Good. That's good synergy between Week in the Tackle and Grumpy Pundits hey. as well. So I think it's we can make there. that work. And then maybe on the on the following Monday's Week in the Tackle, if we're not all on holiday, and I definitely will be. But if we're not all on holiday, maybe we'll record on the Saturday. Uh, then um, then we should have like a final debrief, whether you're gonna go vegan full time. Uh, spoiler alert, I will not be, but yeah, you sure, might like it. Not? You might like it. I'm sure it'll open up uh, my eyes to some things and my, and my taste buds, I guess, to some things that I wouldn't have tried before, but I, I'm a carnivore, man. Like that's never mm. going to go away. Then you find out that avocados are like the blood fruit and it's a whole thing. Right. You just exactly. don't eat anything really, to be honest. Don't eat anything for a week. That's the bet. Uh, absolutely not. Well, that was this week's Week in the Tackle podcast. I know I missed him as well, but I think Tim did an admirable job being almost as miserable as me. Um, If you enjoyed this week's episode, leave us a five-star rating and give us a strong review as well. So you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Pandora, wherever you get your podcasts. And if you leave us a strong review, a good review, one that we like, coupled with a five-star rating... Tim's going to read out the best ones moving forward. So if they're funny or interesting, you've got a good joke in there, and it would make someone who you don't know listen to Week in the Tackle next week, we will read it out on the program. And we might even get Tim to do it sensually, like we have a feature on on Grumpy Pundits, Tim Talks Balls. That's one for the subscribers there. Uh, Week in the Tackle, also available on the SXM app. It's free for most subscribers. Just download today and tap podcast. You can also follow us on social media, uh, Twitter and Instagram, at SiriusXMFC. We post a bunch of polls and videos of the show uh, on there, so make sure you're following. Week in the Tackle is part of the SiriusXM podcast network and is produced by Tim Horsey. The executive producer is Pete Corey. Sound design was by Joey DeFazio. Special thanks to SiriusXM Senior Vice President of Sports Programming and Podcasting, Steve Cohen, and SiriusXM FC's Program Director, Joe Tolleson. SiriusXM Podcasts.